0: Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi everyone, welcome to Unchained, your no-hype resource for all things crypto. I'm your host, Laura Shin. Follow Unchained on Twitter at Unchained_Pod, pod, where you can find all sorts of content ranging from my weekly newsletter to updates on my upcoming book and a whole lot more. Today's episode is a chat I moderated between Peter Brandt and Willie Wu at last month's Real Vision Crypto Gathering. It's a fascinating look at the original cryptocurrency from two people steeped in analysis in different ways. It was a great discussion and I am sure you will enjoy it. Now, on to the show. Kuiper's dynamic market maker, DMM, is the first DeFi protocol designed to adapt to market conditions, to optimize fees, maximize returns, and enable extremely high capital efficiency for liquidity providers. The Crypto.com app lets you buy, earn, and spend crypto, all in one place earn up to 8.5% interest on your bitcoin and 14% interest on your stablecoins paid weekly download the crypto.com app and get $25 with the code laura the link is in the description indexed finance allows you to buy passively managed indices for crypto and defi's hottest markets passive portfolios at your fingertips indexed.finance Hi, everyone. Welcome to our panel. It starts with the charts. My name is Laura Shin, and I host the podcast and video series Unchained. I've covered crypto for nearly six years and was previously a senior editor at Forbes, where I was the first mainstream media reporter to cover cryptocurrency full time. Our two guests today are Peter L. Brandt, futures and FX trader, an author and publisher of The Factor Report, and Willie Wu, on-chain Bitcoin analyst and writer of The Bitcoin Forecast, a market intelligence newsletter. Welcome, Peter and Willie.
1: Hey,
2: it's good to
1: be with you, Laura. Good to see you again, Willie. Likewise. Looking
0: forward to this. Peter, let's start with you to get the big picture on what is happening with Bitcoin. You recently tweeted, Bitcoin is undergoing its third parabolic advance in the past decade. And I think you have been recently saying it's even undergoing a fourth now. And you've said to see that number of parabolic advances is extremely rare and even historic. So can you explain why it is so historic?
2: Oh, sure. Uh, I'd like to, Laura. Um, Your production folks have a chart that shows the parabolic advances in Bitcoin, an accelerating market that is accelerating the acceleration. And, you know, I've traded for 46 years. I've studied charts over really centuries. I'm, I'm kind of a chart nerd. I love charts. And Somebody would have told me that there would be a market during my lifetime that would uh, not only experience a parabolic advance, but experience four parabolic advances, not just on an arithmetic scale, but on a log scale. I, I, w- I would have bet my life against that. This is just unbelievable. I, I, you know, people get caught up in the daily motion and the daily moment, uh, moment of Bitcoin without realizing we're seeing a market advance unlike anything we've ever really seen before to have four parabolic advances on a log scale in the course of a 10 year period is just unheard of. I I would challenge anybody to find a price chart of any asset or any commodity item that has gone through this. And so we're really, really witnessing history. This is history in the making this is something that history books will be written on. As a trader, it's just unbelievable that I can participate in a market that is going through a situation like this. This is uh, this is just spectacular, spectacular ride, and everybody that's involved in Bitcoin can know that they're really taking part in history. Uh, you know, Willie will better describe really the underpinnings of history and what it really means in terms of real world finance, monetary system and so forth. That's not my specialty. I'm a chartist, I'm a trader, I'm a chartist. But as a chartist, this is just something so special, I really can't even express it.
0: And just briefly before we turn to Willie, can you also define a parabolic advance for the members of our audience who aren't familiar with these technical terms?
2: Sure, I mean, we all know what an uptrend is. In a parabolic advance, Laura, is an advance that accelerates over a period of time. Not only does it go up steadily, but it goes up in an accelerating manner. And we can find all kinds of stock charts that have had one or maybe two parabolic advances on an arithmetic chart. But to have a a parabolic advance on on a log chart is just spectacular.
0: And so, Willie, how would you put Bitcoin into a historical context as an asset?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one because um, I see Bitcoin more as a new technology rollout. And um, we never see new technology being traded on a live market before. Bitcoin's the first time we've had that. Um, You know, the Internet um, exploded onto the scene and we had a whole lot of new technologies. But you'll notice that those startups that were... um, Forging those technologies, they were not listed on a stock exchange till very much later into their maturity phase. So here in Bitcoin, we've got from X number of months into it from 2009, we had a live price of Bitcoin. And you just can see the crazy volatility in that market. And that that is normal for a um, burgeoning new technology. Anyone who's been in a, a C-level startup We'll know how schizophrenic the ups and downs of that ride is. The next, you know, one day you're, you're on top of the world and you're going to conquer the world. And the next day um, all doom is here and you're not going to survive the next month. And um, we've had a number of these journeys in Bitcoin, even through the first 10 years, many years into it. So um, what we're seeing here in my eyes is um, this new technology finding price discovery in a phase that we've never seen before.
0: And Peter, just to draw out one more comparison between crypto and traditional markets, much has been made of how crypto trades differently because it trades 24-7, 365 across global markets and also because of how the movements are often affected by memes. And I wondered how you would compare the way Bitcoin trades to the way different types of traditional assets trade
2: well i guess i'd break that down in two ways laura the one way is just from an historical perspective the magnitude of the advance the nature of the advance in bitcoin is is really can't be compared it it, it is in a class by itself of course we have some other crypto coins that have had a similar uh, move but I, I think in my mind uh, bitcoin's the legacy it, it is crypto uh, crypto is Bitcoin, Bitcoin is crypto. And obviously, we do have some of the other coins and altcoins and so forth. And so we can't compare it, but in some sense, we can. Uh, you know, it's interesting you worked for Forbes. Uh, the editor of Forbes in the 1920s was a guy by the name of Richard W. Schaubacher. Schaubacher in 1934 uh, published a book which lays out the classical charting principles that chartists use today. He was the author. He was the author of Classical Charting. And so the types of, of chart construction that he wrote about in 1934, we see uh, on a regular basis in Bitcoin, you know, rectangles, head and shoulders, trend lines, all of those things not only apply to Bitcoin, but really characterize Bitcoin From a, as a classical chartist. I think Bitcoin is the purest market there is. And so You know, it complies with what I know to be history in terms of classical charting. But at the same time, from a more broader picture, from an historic picture, it's it's one unto itself.
0: All right. So now let's turn to discussing this current cycle, which I think in some ways has surprised some Bitcoiners, even at the same time that they knew all along it would happen. And Willie, in one of your recent newsletters, you wrote, quote Bitcoin is undergoing the largest supply shock in its history the steepest price rise seen so far in 21 has been supported by strong fundamentals and then you wrote my macro top target has now increased to 300k and previously it was 250k can you elaborate on what you meant there
1: uh, going back to the supply shock um We've just never seen in the history of Bitcoin so much of the coins being scooped up and um, bought and locked away by very strong holders of the coin. Um, and we can see this from tracking the flows of um, coins out of the exchanges where typically people um, you know, speculate or buy and sell their coins. And they have a, a set inventory, some of which is um, allocated for speculation. And we've just seen... An unprecedented amount of depletion of that inventory, um, if you look back in the two thousand seventeen bull market we we saw like a five month depletion of inventory and that was enough to propel um, the bull market of two thousand and seventeen right up to the twenty thousand from um, what initially was about um, one to one and a half thousand dollars when that inventory depletion um, ended, and now we're kind of in this zone of 11 to 12 months of inventory depletion. We've not seen this before, and you can look on chain and look at the holders, and you can see the wallets that the holders, you, the behavior of the wallets by the holders, and There's a category where we term illiquid. These guys are just accumulating, buying and accumulating without any history of selling. And these guys are just hoovering up the coins. So there's a real supply shock. There's there's less and less coins um, each week that goes by that's available to be bought. And so um, obviously there's a mismatch between demand and supply and that has launched the price vertical. Um, And... For some technical traders that do trade uh, indicators on the, the the price fluctuations, they're all screaming over, overbought, overbought, overheated. Whilst if you look into the ledger and see the, the demand and supply of the coins by um, fundamental investors, you can see that it's fully supported. And so I run a... Um, a very simple model. It's called mean, It's a mean reversion model, which is in simple terms is a, a moving average on the market cap, all-time moving average, and you can um, use that to predict tops. It has predicted every top in Bitcoin history, and so currently that top target is launching upwards. And at the um, start of this year, January, it was zoning into a. Um, area of um, $200,000 to $300,000 by December. And December of this year is typical to what we would expect for the end of a bull market. Um, if we get that, not saying that will happen this time around, but if we do top out in December, um, that target now is lifted to above 300000 because the trajectory of that um, upper band of that moving average.
0: Well, that's really exciting. And so earlier when you were talking about all these holders who are buying, moving the Bitcoin off exchanges into wallets that do not really have a history of selling, who do you think those groups or people are?
1: Uh, it's very unusual because um, normally what you expect is um, as more um, retail comes in, uh, more moms and pops, ordinary people off the streets, they tend to buy their coins and hold them on their exchange wallet because it's just a very easy experience. Um, so we've had this general trend of more and more coins being stored on um, exchanges, like the Coinbases of this world. It's a very easy to use experience. Um, but in this particular cycle, we're seeing huge amounts of coins move off exchanges and being locked away under their own custody. Um, and that's a signature of... Um, institutional players coming in and high net worth individuals um, they tend to store their coins under custody and in um, cold storage so um, those clues and just the sheer uh, size of the purchases uh, you can see the size of the withdrawals coming out from the exchanges um, they just really point to institutions scooping up coins so it's it's very very unlikely it's anything else but the institutions.
0: And by that, you mean like Tesla, MicroStrategy, the, the corporate treasurers that are buying Bitcoin or are there any other institutions you would include in that bucket?
1: Yeah, institutions is, a, a, is, kind, of, is kind of a, yeah. a menagerie, really, because in, in simple terms, it's just um, coins held by a custodian for a whole lot of people, whether that's, um, you know, Tesla and their shareholders or fund managers. So um, it's. It's looking like it we've got hedge funds coming in. Um, we've got the, the corporate treasury um, by you know led by Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy and now, you know, the latest is being Tesla. Uh, but you know we've we've also seen announcements that it's pension funds as well. Um, Grayscale said that they had a lot of strong buying from there. I've just seen that New Zealand has announced that their one of their um, funds for pensions has bought into Bitcoin in October. So, yeah, across the gamut, there's all sorts of institutions buying right now. It it seems like the word is out that Bitcoin is now a valid investment alternative to gold in these times.
0: And so then if we were to zoom out and kind of look at Bitcoin in its trajectory of, let's say, like historical adoption, you know, like if we were to look back uh, 50 years from now and and you know look at this moment in time then where would you both say bitcoin kind of like is currently in its historical adoption period
2: well i have a question laura i'd like to ask uh willie because his comments really i found really super interesting because i don't really dig into what happens to coins as they flow into the blockchain they get taken out of exchanges that's his expertise, not mine. But what I have noticed looking at the exchanges in terms of the bid-offer spread, what happens on the bid, what happens on the offer side, is oftentimes when a market blows off, and we hear some people say this is a big bubble, we're blowing off, Bitcoin's a bubble. There are characteristics of a bubble. Uh, One of them is that markets go up fast with bids. There's aggressive bids that take place in the late stages of a bull market that kind of blow it off. And all those bids come in and chase the market's FOMO. What we know is retail FOMO takes place within the whole market. This market is very different. What I've noticed is is the market's not necessarily going up on aggressive bids. What's happening is an offer comes in and just immediately gets taken. And so this nature of the bull market is such that what I see Is whenever something is offered, it's just taken immediately by somebody who's willing to take the offer. So rather than going up on bids, it's going up on on higher uh, offer prices, higher and higher offer prices. That may sound like it's there's really no difference to people who I'm familiar with how markets uh, behave, but for me uh, as a as a technical trader, that's really significant because it shows me that there are big names, there are big, deep top pockets that are saying, we're not going to chase the market, but whenever something gets offered, we're willing to take it. And that kind of resonates very well with what Willie described.
1: Yeah, so you're saying that whenever there's a a big offer on hand, large enough for a very large purchase to come in, they'll take it because there's not a lot of um, offers that size that's on the table and they're just waiting for whenever there's an offer, they'll take it. Yeah, that's interesting.
2: You know, I have another question that I'd love to ask Willie. And, you know, Willie refers to uh, Bitcoin as a technology, which it is. But the interesting thing for me is in those cases where I have seen uh, an asset or a market or a commodity have the kind of parabolic advances that we're seeing, what they have been primarily is currency markets. They've represented the destruction of a currency. A money, a monetary system that have been the currency against the dollar. So in other words, how many of these currencies can one dollar buy? We saw it in the German mark uh, in the 1920s. Your your production guys may have a quick chart of that. It's not a very good chart, but it does show it. Uh, We've seen it in third world currencies in Africa and third world. This is marks for U.S. dollar in the 1920s. Uh, And and what it shows is we went from kind of uh, late 19-teens of five, six marks per dollar, and then we go into really the destruction of the mark at that point, which was obviously connected with with a previous political structure, but we saw the mark become worthless. And we've seen that with third world currencies, uh, African countries, Latin American countries, And so when we look at Bitcoin beyond just being a technology, but being a form of money, the only other charts that I can see when I look back in history that have a a similar parabolic move have really been currency charts that have been the destruction of that currency. I'm just curious as to how Willie relates to Bitcoin uh, also as a form of money, as a monetary system, because monetary systems are the only places where i've seen charts that have a similar parabolic move
1: well that's it's absolutely fascinating peter because like i look at this chart and i go yeah that's exactly right i'll flip those currencies and i'll go us dollars per bitcoin um and that's essentially what we're tracking um this destruction of fiat currency as bitcoin starts to um suck in that monetary base um, I think what we're witnessing here is the birth of a new uh, monetary base which is no longer based on fiat Um, it's based on consensus agreement that this has value and this thing is um, a value that can be stored online digitally moved across borders within seconds and so it's an internet age technology it's a new internet age monetary standard um, and it 's one that is going to keep up with the world 's needs into this digital age. If you think about um, what happened with the industrial age, um, we moved from essentially commodity money um, in you know gold, silver, copper, and we moved into trading currency like paper backed by this this um, this commodity um, and that was really for um, Uh, to keep track of an industrial age economy. Um, Obviously, it's too slow to ship bars of gold around the world. Um, So now we're in a digital age. It's very, very similar in that, like, fiat is just so slow and broken. Um, If anyone that thinks um, fiat works well, they're only using it in a local stance within their country. Once you start to do cross-border payments, it's very slow. It's very painful. And so... um, it, we're in this this phase, I think, that um, is that we're, we're moving and crossing deeply into um, a digital age. And um, to go back to the first point that Laura posed, you know, where do we where are we now um, looking? If we pan into the future and look back, um, we're currently just barely above 2% of the world having exposure to Bitcoin Um, even fewer that are actually using it to to transmit funds. Most people are holding it to get exposure, but it's growing. You know, this this thing has been growing for 11 years nonstop, doubling every uh, 12 months. So that puts us at 4%, then 8% and so forth. And we're currently on track for 1 billion people having exposure to Bitcoin as an asset class in the next four years. So by 2025, one eighth of the world population will have exposure to this monetary base. So um, it's happening very, very quickly. Um, And in terms of internet era, like where, where, where we are right now, it's equivalent of 1994 for the rollout of the internet. And I believe from memory, someone might be able to pull it up. It's we're in the next four years, we're going to teleport into 2005 for the, for the internet rollout equivalent, which, you know, if you think about that, like, um, 94 was very slow dial-up internet. Um, very few people used it, um, but it was growing quickly. And then um, 2005, we had everybody on Facebook. Um, the iPhone was just around the corner, and the internet was available to everybody on the planet if they, they needed it. Um, so, uh, yeah, the next four years is going to bring a lot of changes to the financial system, that's for sure.
0: And why do you think that timeline is being sped up for crypto? Is it because we already have the Internet built now? Is that why, you know, you were saying this leap of 10 years in the Internet um, era is going to be accomplished in five years in crypto?
1: Yeah, new technology is built on um, older technologies. And it's um, the, the propagation of information goes faster and faster. So. You know, if, if um, Bitcoin could be built on sailing ships and we can transmit transactions on a piece of paper, which you can actually do, um, obviously it would take um, months for that piece of paper to transmit to another continent. But now we can transmit that in, in milliseconds across the internet. And so um, <laughs> so that's speeding things up. And you'll see if you plot the, the um, progress and adoption of um, new technology, we call this S-curves because that's Mark's how how much penetrate the the rate of penetration? They they are slow at start. At the start, they go exponential, and then they kind of taper off as you reach saturation. Those S curves are long and flat and slow for you know the earlier technologies like radio, um, then TV, and then we had you know um, I guess what do we have? Um, mobile phones and internet, and so each curve became faster and faster, and so um, it's it's a natural. It's an actual trend that um, this technology, um, Bitcoin, expands faster. Yeah, it's it's probably the biggest thing that's happened to um, money since the invention of money. I would say um, it's it's not just a one in a hundred year thing. It's a one in humanity event.
0: Yeah, I I would agree. I've also heard you make comparisons to um, the way Bitcoin trades or the way people invest in Bitcoin to shares of internet startups. Can you talk a little bit about how those are similar and or different?
1: I I think I've kind of covered it earlier in that, you know, the the trajectory is very, very upward, like a seed investor. Um, You know, I'll put it this way. When Bitcoin um, was around even, say, four years ago and the times before that, the first six to seven years, everyone said, this thing is not real. It's a bubble. It's going to pop. And um, no one gets 10,000x return in such a compressed amount of years. Like that's that's a tulip bubble. But anyone in technology that has invested in seed level startups with a valuation of maybe um, typically a seed level startup is valued at six million dollars at the at the start, and if they go IPO and then become the next you know Uber, Amazon, or, or, or so forth. You're now talking in the tens to a um, hundred billion dollars of valuation. So, and that journey takes um, around six to 10 years. And so, right there in new technology, investors at the seed level are very comfortable with the idea of getting 10,000x on a winning technology. And um, that's essentially what we're seeing with Bitcoin. Um, Those types of gains are very, very routine in new technology rollouts. The only difference right now is that Bitcoin just so happened to have a publicly tradable price that everybody could see and um, retail, anybody in the world had access to buy that asset right at the get-go. And interestingly, the institutions, the smartest money in the room, Um, they weren't allowed to because regulatory bars um, prevented them from actually directly buying the asset. So it's kind of flipped the whole thing on its ends where where Bitcoin um, was open to um, everybody else except the big money. So I find that very interesting.
2: You know, the interesting thing for me, Willie, is when I first got involved and you were involved in Bitcoin long before I was, My involvement began in early 2016 when uh, the founder of Real Vision, Raul Paul, sent me a chart of Bitcoin. (laughs) You know, I get an email from Raul, it has a chart of Bitcoin. It's like February, March of 2016. And Raul says, you're a chartist, Peter. What do you make of this thing? And I looked at it and I heard about Bitcoin kind of in the periphery. I understood it existed. I didn't know much about it. Just thought it was just a currency, currency money that would become another beanie baby or pet rock. And I look <laughs> at the chart that he sends, I go, wow, this is crazy. And that's when he introduced me to his exchange. I open an account, I get involved in Bitcoin, it's like March, April 2016. Initially, for me, Bitcoin was a chart. Then Bitcoin became just a trade. You know, as a trader in the US, I've always measured. Wealth based on U.S. dollars, right? I want to collect U.S. dollars. I want to look and know that my U.S. dollar worth goes up in a steady rate and maybe has some jumps along the way. And so Bitcoin was just a trade. But I think really within the last year, my mindset has really changed, is that Bitcoin is where I would have wanted all my wealth at some point in time. I really look at it very different because if my goal as a trader has been to accumulate more US dollars, what that now tells me is I had a wrong, I had a wrong goal because my goal was to accumulate the weakest asset in the world, the, the most depreciating asset in the world, and that's US dollars. And so I, my mindset really changed within the last year in terms of moving from Bitcoin as a trade to Bitcoin. As, as a measure of wealth.
0: Want to get exposure to the top DeFi and crypto projects but don't know where to start? Indexed Finance allows for users to buy indices that represent automated and passive tokenized portfolios such as the DeFi 5, an index of the top DeFi projects which reweighs and re-indexes autonomously. Indices such as DeFi 5 enable you to get exposure to the growing DeFi and general crypto markets by holding one simple token, and you'll always be holding the top assets for that market. DeFi 5 has been the best performing DeFi index available with over 400% growth since its inception in December. Get DeFi 5 and others such as the new NFT index today at indexed.finance, That's I-N-D-E-X-E-D dot finance. With over 10 million users, Crypto.com is the easiest place to buy and sell over 90 cryptocurrencies. Download the Crypto.com app now and get $25 with the code LAURA. If you're a hodler, Crypto.com Earn pays industry-leading interest rates on over 30 coins, including Bitcoin, at up to 8.5% interest and up to 14% interest on your stablecoins. When it's time to spend your crypto, nothing beats the Crypto.com Visa card, which pays you up to 8% back instantly and gives you 100% rebate for your Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon Prime subscriptions. There is no annual or monthly fees to worry about. Download the Crypto.com app and get $25 when using the code LAURA. LAURA. The link is in the description. Kyber's dynamic market maker, DMM, is a game changer in DeFi, being the first protocol designed to react to market conditions to optimize fees while providing extremely high capital efficiency for liquidity providers. Fees are adjusted dynamically based on market conditions to maximize returns and reduce the impact of impermanent loss. Liquidity providers can customize the pricing curve to create amplified pools that greatly improve capital efficiency and reduce trade slippage. Depositing tokens to earn fees is also fast and simple, with this liquidity easily accessible by dApps, aggregators, or other users. Visit dmm.exchange now. And Peter, you've also uh, kind of been talking about the way that I think, at least to my mind, what you're saying is that Bitcoin maybe is maturing a little bit. Uh, You tweeted recently about what you were calling an orderly bull trend, saying that the 2015 to 2017 bull cycle saw eight corrections exceeding 30 percent, two of them exceeding 40 percent. And then you wrote, with the exception of the March 2020 smash, the December 2018 to present bull trend has been extraordinarily orderly so far. So what would you say is the significance of that?
2: Oh, I I think Willie pointed that out. Is we have major institutions, major trading operations, investing operations who are just willing to take offers off the table. And as a result, of course, you know, no market goes straight up day after day, week after week, month after month. So we have volatility. We've had close to a thirty percent or right around a thirty percent correction at one point, another correction of twenty-six percent. That's not the end of the world. Markets have correction. That's what markets do. They go up, they go down. The, the important point is which way are they going on, on, on a more sustainable basis? You know, to me, I've, I'm starting to look at Bitcoin as we all talk about the evil central banks. Everyone's talking about the central banks destroying the monetary system. And I'm starting to look at Bitcoin as uh, as a POW asset. And that could mean power of the, you know, it it could mean the money of the people, the people's money. And and so Bitcoin is really the currency of the world, of the world population is, you know, it's a POW. We're prisoners of war to the central banks. And all of a sudden, uh, Bitcoin is our own answer to fiat currencies. And I think that's what's reflected in the fact that there's so much interest to actually own that currency.
0: I love that, yeah, actually, I, because there's there's actually a Bitcoin-specific term, POW, which stands for something very particular <laughs> to Bitcoin. So at first I was like, wait, what is he talking about? Uh, but we don't have to get into that. It has to do with the mining. But anyway, Willie, what were you going to say?
1: I was just saying that, yeah, it's like really going back to the first chart of German marks against US dollars. We've been trading to stack more German marks in a time of hyperinflation um, versus stacking more Bitcoin. I think that... Um, if you be, anyone who's been in the industry long enough starts to have that sort of mindset shift and and um, suddenly you realize, wow, this is real. This is the new monetary standard. That's the measuring stick in which we start to measure everything. And I mean, certainly when I, I get US dollars or any kind of fiat, I feel like this thing's a hot potato. It's, gonna, it's not going to be worth much soon. <laughs> we had like 25%, 30% um, more, coin, uh, more US dollars being printed in the last year alone. Um, so I think most people are really in that mode of really um, parking it somewhere, whether it's real estate, stocks, or um, or Bitcoin. Um, and to that point, there's about $500 trillion of assets in the world that um, people were parking money into as a store of value. And so that is the... Um, that is the scale of capital that um, Bitcoin's going to take bites out of. You know, we, we like to call um, Bitcoin this digital gold, like it's this really nice to understand thing that traditional asset uh, managers, traditional investors can turn grasp. But really, gold's only ten trillion dollars, and only four trillion dollars is um, useful financial means. We're like Bitcoin's already a quarter of the way there, and it's not going to stop. You've got like stock markets that are near $100 trillion. You've got um, real estate, which is like $220, $250 trillion. Most people that hold these assets aren't looking for a house or two or five to to live in. They're holding it as a store of value. So once you get a glimpse of something as easy to access like Bitcoin without the trouble of holding assets like real estate – it's going to take a big chunk out of that. So um, there's no way Bitcoin's going to stop at um, the market cap of gold, which is 10 trillion. Um, it's going to go a lot higher, um, which means that we're going to be going into the millions of dollars per coin, is, which is kind of hard to believe right now. But um, if you look at the share fundamentals and stretch it off over the long term, that's how cheap Bitcoin is today. And that's why the institutions are buying it. And they're buying it because they think it's gonna be as good as gold, but it's gonna go a lot higher.
2: I have a question on that, Willie. You know, when we when I look back at, at Bitcoin as a student of price, you know, we've seen big run-ups followed by 80% to corrections. We've seen that in the previous three parabolic advances that were violated, we saw Bitcoin set back between eighty and nine percent. And I guess my own sense is that we've seen the last 80% correction. And I'm just curious, let's say we go to your 300, dollars $400,000 mark by the end of this year. What is a big correction in the future? As we look forward and might assume that Bitcoin will take a rightful place as, as a global reserve currency, so to speak, or a global reserve asset, so to speak, what kind of volatility do we see five years from now
1: Ten years from now, it's a it's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure. And the first step of it is that once we top out, I'm not sure how far it'll fall back this time under the current situation. Um, we typically see, you know, an 80 percent pullback, um, three hundred thousand dollars plus 80 percent pullback, kind of brings us down into the um, the one trillion dollar range. And I can see right now the price discovery of Bitcoin um, is very, very strong in this zone, around $1 trillion. Um, You can look at that in terms of um, the price in which coins last moved on the network, and it's really clustering strong at this zone of $1 trillion. And you'll look at all the past bull markets. You can see, as you roll back the clock, you get this very strong cluster at the base of the bull run, which is what we're forming now. And then we go really high, and then it's almost like when we top out, we come back to revisit that that very strong cluster, bounce off that as, as um, a rejection off that low before we move into the next um, bull market. If that pattern plays out, then, yeah, maybe we go to 300, we come back down to the zone here. Um, but I'm not sure. Um, like, I kind of visit the stuff one month at a time, quarter by quarter sometimes, um, just on what I'm seeing through demand and supply on the ledger there is a general trend downwards and it isn't a crazy, predictable trend downwards in volatility. I think actually, you know, like, we're, we're due to start to um, drop down into the, the lower volatility range that, um, well, I don't have the charts right off, off hands, but I think it will surprise a lot of people how low the volatility can drop and beyond a certain part of uh, size of um, um, capital base, you know, Volatility drops to zero because it becomes the new monetary base. If it does become this unit of account, obviously, there's different variations on that theme. It could be part of a basket of assets that becomes the new monetary base. But um, ultimately, the volatility will drop very, very low because it's the new monetary standard part of it.
0: Peter, I wanted to ask you about something that you wrote on Twitter where you we're criticizing the people who have laser eyes on their Twitter profiles, and you call that the single most bearish factor for Bitcoin. Why is that?
2: Well, and I'm not a bearish in terms of all of a sudden we go into a bear market. I, I, what I'm talking about is there are certain things that as somebody who is an owner of Bitcoin, I know people use the word hot lean. I, I I just can't go there at mid-70s. I'm not sure I can adopt the, the, the vernacular of the... The new technology or new monetary system. So I, I still can refer to as holding. I have the L before the D instead of after the D. But yeah, I mean, over enthusiasm on any market is always kind of a warning not to turn from a bull to a bear or to liquidate long holdings or to liquidate an established position. But it indicates people, uh, it's gotten a little frothy. And, you know, all of a sudden when I saw people who I respect on Twitter as, as seasoned, reasonable investors, all of a sudden with a new picture with laser eyes, I kind of go, <laughs> well, let's stack back a moment here. I actually even I even uh, direct tweeted a good friend of mine who is a, a, really a fine investor and has been very, very constructive for Bitcoin for a long period of time. And just said, hey, you redo your picture, will you please? It's scary because, you know, more people put the the laser eyes, you know, at least the market's going to get choppy for a while and going to stop going straight up. So I think, you know, we need to be alert for that type of thing is when people start pounding their chest in public, I own Bitcoin, I own Bitcoin, look at me, I have laser eyes. You know, that's always going to be a sign that the market's at least going to take a rest
0: all right yeah i was just so curious because obviously that is something all the bitcoiners are doing and um i thought it was kind of fun that you took a contrarian stance to that um so to wrap up i wanted to ask you for the aspiring chartists in the audience what particular metrics or trading patterns it is that you think are worth paying attention to and why
2: Well, uh, I mean, let me start off by saying I I think Bitcoin charts extremely well, but it charts extremely well for somebody that wants to look at the forest and not the trees is, you know, somebody who's looking at one minute charts, five minute charts, 10 minute charts. I've noticed those are not really reliable charts. You have to look at Bitcoin in terms of chart construction, at least on daily charts, if not on weekly charts. You know, you can't look at it every day, uh, every minute. You've got to really step back and look at it in a bigger picture. And that's advice I would give somebody. Don't get so involved that you're buying and selling Bitcoin 10 times a day. Look at Bitcoin from an historical perspective. This is not something to be playing around with. It's something to be owned. And, And so I think there's danger of people. Uh, getting too short term in Bitcoin, because at some point in time, they're going to get shaken out of their position. And that's when Bitcoin really has a period of strength. And so I I think holding L before the D is the thing to do. But for those who really are interested in charting, I bring them back to the 1934 book by uh, the the senior editor of Forbes magazine, Richard W. Schaubacher, who wrote the book. Technical Analysis and Stock Market Profits. Excellent book, but it's a great primer on the type of chart construction I've seen in Bitcoin, which is uh, triangles, uh, shakeouts, trend lines, head and shoulders, and that sort of thing. By the way, I do have a a chart uh, there that you have on the current chart outlook for Bitcoin. I just want to point that out before uh, we end here. But you know on that chart, what I'm really seeing is I think that currently Bitcoin in this current Bitcoin bull market from a charting standpoint where were the 2015 to 2017 bull market was in the uh, April May period of 2017. It's kind of where we're at. And that shows that I think we're at that midpoint pause where in 2017 Bitcoin, Swirled around for a month or two before we saw the final move up. And you'll note that the midpoint in 2015 to 17 bull market was at about uh, one half, 60% of the total move. If that's true, you know, really that points to the type of price level that Willie's talking about. And it's that $200,000 plus is really where this market would take it if this chart interpretation is correct.
0: And Willie, what about I, you?
1: I kind of agree with where we are in that market. Um, the is it, yeah, that's really interesting. You know, trade Bitcoin on any any time cycle; it's possible. Whatever floats your boat, really. <laughs> you can trade the small time cycles and get a feel of um, how the markets work on a micro level. Um, Bitcoin is interesting because it's the only um, asset in the world, other than the other cryptos, <laughs> that has a blockchain. But it is actually the only one that has a blockchain that has capital flows that is organic. And so, um, you know, I, I have a partnership with Glassnode, and they provide about over 300 charts, which um, those 300 metrics, um, and they measure different parts of the network um, and the whole industry, um, the capital flows going through it. And so it's almost like a ECG um, that's hooked up to this animal called Bitcoin. And um, it's a kind of a... Um, you know, detective story of like, whoa, what's happening here? Let's check our whales buying is it institutions is, you know, what whatever's happening this week or that week, um, you can come down to a diagnosis, a probable diagnosis. And so um, that's the new thing with Bitcoin is that we have this open, transparent ledger where we can visibly see what's actually happening. And then you can kind of translate that and make predictions or explanations of what's actually happening with the the price chart, which will then sort of express itself through technical trading patterns because traders are trading around these very specific like patterns. Um, So there's fundamental demand and supply on the blockchain and that will express through these technical trading patterns. And so um, if you're trading Bitcoin, a full picture would be on-chain analysis with the technical and mating the two together and, um, and then you, it's that's, that's a new thing within um, cryptocurrencies, really.
0: Yeah. And what I love about the way, Willie, um, you do your analysis is that you come up with really creative ways to describe it. Like whale spawning season when you saw the <laughs> whales coming in and buying up a lot of coins. Or recently I noticed you have been tweeting about what you call the Rick Astley score, which <laughs> I'm sure people can figure that out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's very fun following your analysis for for that reason. Um, all right. Well, this has been so fun. Thank you both so much for coming on to the crypto, to the Real Vision crypto gathering.
2: Thank you for having me, Laura. And it's always a pleasure to participate with Willie. I, I always learn something I didn't know before, and this has been no different.
1: Thanks, Laura. And it's been, you know, absolute pleasure being on air with Peter. He's an absolute legend. <laughs> it's, it's so great to be on here with Peter. <laughs>
0: yes, this has been great. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about Peter and Willie, check out the show notes. This episode of Unchained is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Anthony Yoon, Daniel Ness, Mark Murdoch, and Real Vision. Thanks for listening.